Thank you, Mike, and good morning, North Place. I am blessed to be here with you this morning. I'm privileged to be able to share the Word. And as I got ready this week, uh, I, my prayer for you was that as I shared the Word, it became my life. It brought life into you. As I share the Word, it brings transformation. And my prayer is that as I share the Word, it reignites your passion with God. Passion is, 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 is critical. We've heard Pastor Brian talk about passion. He has a great illustration. I, I always remember when I, when I think of passion, I think of that person handing out french fries through the McDonald's uh, drive-thru. If you've been here, you probably have heard that illustration. But one of the things that, that passion reminds me about is that you can do anything great without passion. Any great art, great drama, great architecture, great writing is done with passion. Nothing great is ever accomplished without passion. Passion is what energizes life. Passion makes the impossible possible. Without passion, life becomes boring. Your relationship with God will be boring. Your relationship with people around you will be boring. So without passion, passion is what mobilizes armies into action, causes explorers to go beyond where other men or women have ever gone before. Passion is what causes scientists to spend late night hours trying to find the cure for that dreaded uh, disease. And passion is what takes a good athlete and makes him or her a great athlete and breaks records. You've got to have passion in life. There was one time where Jesus was speaking uh, to a crowd, and they were asking a lot of questions, and he had great responses like he always did. And one of the teachers asked him a question. And in Mark chapter 12, verse 28, 29, uh, we see that passage. I'm going to drop you there for a, a few seconds. And I want you to connect with, with this character, this person, this teacher. And I want you to go beyond the words and see Jesus' response to his question. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God... The Lord is one. Love your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And I want you to say heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. That man walks into it and basically he's saying to Jesus, what's the most important thing? And you know what Jesus says? I want you to love me passionately. If you're going to serve me, serve me passionately. If you're going to obey me, obey me passionately. If, if, if you're going to have a relationship with me, don't let it be half-hearted. Let it be passionate. I love the message translation of that verse 37. It says, Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your passion. Say passion. passion. Say it again. Passion. Say it passionately. Passion. passion. Good job. Your passion and prayer and intelligence, and energy. The word passion that is used in the Greek is what is translated in many other translations as the word heart. He wants to find that oomph that's inside of you. He wants to find not just emotions. We sometimes may get confused between passion and emotion. Most, I mean, some of the most passionate people I've ever met are introverts, and they are incredible in their relationship with God. You will look at them and they look stoic, but their faith system, their belief system, and when they speak to you, 
you, they speak life. Have you ever been around people like that? That when they speak to you, they speak life and you want to be around them? And I mean, the other thing has nothing to do with, with personality or age. Some of the most passionate people I've met are senior saints from our congregation. They are passionate about God. And they have great stories from the past. And they have great stories of what God is doing in their families today. And they look upon the future with, with, with intensity. So passion is not emotion. Passion is a decision that you make. And God tells you, love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. In all of your strength. Basically, he's saying, don't be a wimp in your relationship with me. If you're going to follow me, do it passionately. And if you're going to love me, do it passionately. In case you forget, Colossians 3.23, he says, whatever you do, say whatever. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as unto the Lord and not unto men. He says, everything, everything, I want you to do it with passion. That's the most important thing. The second commandment is love your neighbor. But the first thing is love me with passion. And this is the amazing thing. In America, you could be passionate about everything but faith and religion. You could be passionate about politics. You could be passionate about sports. You could be passionate about a rock star. You basically could be passionate about everything, anything. And it's okay, a movie, fashion, clothing. I typed in. The words a passion for at Amazon.com. And I'm going to tell you, sure, some of the several hundred titles came up, but a couple of the books came up were a passion for birds, a passion for books, a passion for cactus, a passion for chocolate. I can understand that one, but a passion for fishing, for flying, for gardening, for golf, for hunting. A, there's a book called, you're not going to believe this, a passion for mushrooms. I don't know if they're eating them or smoking them, but, but somebody has a passion for and wrote a book, a passion for mushrooms, a passion for needlepoint, for pasta, for ponies. There's one called a, a, a passion for potatoes, a passion for shoes, for roses. There is even one called a passion for steam. Go figure that one. It's about trains, but, but it's called a passion for steam. In our culture, it's okay to be passionate. It's okay to be passionate about everything except your faith your religion. Last week, we went to see the Cowboys play their first uh, preseason game. We had a great time. It was our first time in the stadium watching the Cowboys play at the Cowboys stadium. Our kids loved it. I loved it. We were having a great time. We ate like crazy, paid $50 for a parking spot. We had a wonderful time, but we got the tickets for free. Somebody blessed us with the tickets. But uh, I mean, in front, in front of us were two guys that looked pretty normal until the end of the game. <laughs> They look pretty normal. I mean, and one day, it was not such a good game, to put it mildly. But towards the end, the Cowboys won the game. And these guys went crazy. I mean, they started high-fiving. They started hugging. They started kissing. They hugged me. They hugged Nair. They wanted to hug the kids. And I'm thinking, wow. If, and, and then this is the neatest thing. I look around, and everybody's looking at them like they're real fans. You are weird because you are quiet, you know. And, but if you do that in church, people will call you a fanatic. You know, if you start screaming, hollering, racing, high-fiving, hugging people, and, you know, you don't do that in church. But it's okay to do it at the Cowboys game because we could be passionate about sports. Are you still with me? Okay. So I'm going to share with you. Romans 12.1 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. In other words, keep your fires going in your life. 
you got to notice it is not automatic. This is a discipline. It is not, uh, it's just not natural for us to be passionate towards God. And the thing is, is everything conspires in life for you not to be passionate. I remember when, when, I mean, most of us, you would remember when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're born again and you're excited and you find you have a new identity and you have a new name and you have a new home in eternity. And I mean, and all this is so many great things, but over time, we're like a helium balloon. Have you ever been working with helium balloons and usually one escapes you and goes up and if you're inside, it'll stay there for a while, but eventually it'll come down. That's sometimes our Christian life if we're not careful. I mean, we're like that. We're like that. That's why today we're going to look at not a checklist, but I'm going to call it areas in your life that you need to look at because they're passion killers. Areas in your life that you need to keep, keep be aware of because over time, circumstances and difficulties will suck the life out of your passion for your relationship with God. Number one, it's an unbalanced schedule unbalanced schedule. That means that you're either overworked or you are underworked. You're going to lose your passion if you're overworked or if you are underworked. I mean, there's a, life is about seasons. It's a series of seasons. The Bible tells us there is a, a reason. There's a season, I'm sorry, for everything. And there's also a reason, but there's, I'm sticking to the season right now. There's also a season for everything. There is a rhythm to life. And in life, you need both. You need input, but you also need output. You need rest, but you also need work. Too much of either one will cause you to lose your passion. Too much work will make you lose your passion. Too much nothing will bring boredom, which also make you lose your passion. And my guess in a crowd like this size, probably half of you need to work less, and probably half of you need to work a little more. Psalm 127.2 says, It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, fearing, fearing that you're going to starve to death, for God wants His loved ones to get their proper rest. God wants you to get your proper rest. If you're always giving out, if you're always sharing, if you're always serving, if you're always working, if you're always helping, and you don't take time to recharge, you've gotten unbalanced on the ministry side or on the job side, on the work side. Eventually, you're going to get compassion failure. You know what that is? It's just when you stop caring, when you become indifferent, when you don't care about God anymore, and you don't say it out loud, but you're just so exhausted. You're just so tired. You don't care about God anymore. You don't care about other people anymore the way you used to. You don't care about basically anything because you're burning out from too much work, from too much service. When you care, 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 and care, eventually you get compassion fatigue. Others, others of you are probably exactly on the opposite end of the spectrum. You're always taking but never giving out. You go to small groups, you go to Bible studies, you got 24 downloads from podcasts, and you go to every teacher, and you listen to the radio, you go to seminars, you go to Christian concerts, you go to workshops, you're in church all the time, you're always learning, you're always taking in, but you don't even have a ministry. You don't even go to a small group. Got a little quiet in here. I figured I wouldn't get on a man on that one. When you don't have a ministry, when you don't have a passion, I mean, you become fat, because basically what we do is we take, we take, we take. I heard somewhere that that's what they call the holy rollers, that they have to roll you out of church because you've gained so much weight. James four seventeen 
says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do, ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. Say sin. It is sin for them. And I, I'm just trying to bring conviction to them, bring freedom, okay? So it gets better after this. Do you realize the more you know about God's plan, the more you, you are responsible for sharing that? The more, the more knowledge you have, the more responsible you're increasing your responsibility. I could see some of you unsubscribing some podcasts right now. The Bible tells you you need both. You need input and you need output. You need work and you need rest, balance in your schedule. You need time to worship with God. You need time for fellowship with other believers. You need to have times when you're in God's word, getting life. When you have time with the Lord by yourself and with others. You need missions in your life. Number two, unused talent. That's a passion killer. We're looking at areas in our lives that suck the life out of your relationship with God and, and, and with others. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Look, that says God has given you each certain gifts, abilities, personality, and shape according to his will and his purpose for your life. And those talents are be used to serve others. Do you know that the gifts, the gifts that you have are to benefit me? And the gifts that I have are to benefit you. And that's the way it goes along the body. The gifts you have are to bless others. You are to use those gifts in the service of other people. If you're stuck in a job, that does not use your talents to any degree, you are inevitably going to lose your passion. There is a, there is a, a study that was done. 70% of all Americans are in a job that does not use their talents. And that's tragic. I think that makes God sad. I think because, because God didn't give you talents just to make money. God didn't just give you talent to get up every morning and be in that routine. He didn't say, okay, I'm giving you talents. Just, just use them to make some money. There are some things that are also more important than money. I think God is grieved when he looks and sees us at a job that, that we're not using all of our gifts. If you're in a job right now that only uses 30% of your talent, that's going to give you something that's called the boredom factor on those 70%. Does that make sense? God gave you gifts and gave you abilities and talents to use. The reality is you will never find a job that you will be 100% satisfied because God's intention and plan for your life is not to be fulfilled 100% with your job. He wants you to be involved in ministry. He wants you to be involved in, in, in your family's life. And he also wants you involved with him and loving him passionately. The third cause or area that we ought to look at is unconfessed sin. There is nothing. This is a big one because there's nothing in our lives that will rob us of our joy, of our confidence, of our passion more quickly than guilt. I mean, there, I've walked around with guilt and it is a heavy burden. It is a heavy burden. And what we do is we rationalize it consciously. I mean, we come to church and we say, you know what? Well, Pastor Brian hasn't preached on that particular sin for about nine months. So that probably means that the doctrine changed. So if I do a little bit of it, nobody will know. He hasn't preached about it. And, and, and whatever we do, we rationalize it to a level that at a conscious level, 
It's rationalized. At a subconscious level, we are dealing with guilt constantly and is eroding our passion for our relationship with God. At a subconscious level, just me talking about it, images begin to pop up of sin in life that needs to be removed. And the beauty about this is that it's, it's free. That forgiveness comes free. All you have to do is say, Lord, I agree with you. Lord, I cannot do this, but you can. Lord, I I give it all to you. I surrender all to you. And I want to live my life from now on, just moment by moment, connected to who you are because you are life. I can do all of these things that we're talking about today that are very practical. But if I'm not connected to the vine, John John 15, 5, there is nothing. I'll, I'll I'll be at the end of this list and I'll still find that there is no life in it. God did not make you to carry guilt around. He made us to be free. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to offer you that gift of freedom from guilt. That's God's gift. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is his promise to you. That is his promise to me. And a lot of times circumstances will not allow me to appropriate the truth and the promises in Scripture. And I just keep carrying stuff that I don't need to be carrying. Just say, God, I agree with you. I agree with you. Forgive my sin. I was wrong. And I want to live right. And I want to adopt that freedom. I mean, that's the first step. Go to a great counselor. Go do everything you need to do. But that's the first step that will bring you into freedom. Unresolved conflict. Say conflict. Unresolved conflict. Conflict drains you, drains your passion right out of you. I mean, have you ever gotten up in the morning and you think this is going to be a great day? Monday, all the kids are back to school. I have the house all for myself again. Or you go to work and you wake up and you shower and I mean, and you're thinking this is going to be great. And all of a sudden, conflict hits you like a ton of bricks. And it kind of sucks the air, the life out of you. It kind of just takes away. It's like, oh, I was feeling so good. And now I'm so different. That's what conflict does when you carry it. I mean, some of you are in situations at home or at work where conflict is constant. And you probably have done all you can. And you're thinking, well, you know, I don't know what else to do. One of the things you could do if it doesn't depend on you, you may not be able to control that other person. But surely you could control the emotions that you're feeling. The emotions of resentment. The emotions of bitterness. Because it didn't turn out the way you want it. The, res- the, the, the emotion of jealousy. The emotion of prolonged anger. I love what Job says in chapter 5 verse 2. Resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. Resentment and jealousy. They're passion killers in your life. Job 18.4 says you are only hurting yourself with your anger. It only hurts you. The neat thing about this is, is, I mean, you know this at an intellectual level that when you don't forgive and you're the only one that's being hurt in the process, that is why forgiveness is so important for us. That's why in, in, in the Lord's prayer, he speaks specifically about forgiveness because God knows us. He made us and he knows how we operate. He, he, you probably haven't read the manual in detail, but he knows how we operate. He knows we are not to be caring unforgiveness. So he has a way to help us let it go. And one thing you could say is, Lord, I can't handle this, but you can. 
I can't handle this, but you can, Lord. I forgive them, and I leave them up to you. And some of you are probably thinking, well, I'm not going to let them off the hook so easy. And this is, this is still too hot of an issue for me to forgive right now. Maybe later. But in reality, or maybe it was so painful and it's still been years, but you still have not forgiven. And I'm not telling you to let them off the hook. What I'm asking you to do is put them on God's hook. Let them off your hook and, let, and put them in God's hands. And you be free from that burden you've been carrying. Amen? You still with me? Number five, unsupported lifestyle. Unsupported lifestyle. Sometimes you lose passion for God or we lose passion for God because we're not spending time around other believers. You're not spending time around other people that have a passion for God. You're not spending time around other Christians. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 says there are two are better than one because if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. We are, we are meant to live in community. Well, you probably got hurt in 1946 in a small group, and from that moment on, you say, well, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a part of that ever again. You know, you got hurt in a Sunday school when you were little, and somebody said something you didn't like. You're like, well, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to live a lonely life. I'm going to be the lonely Christian. And then you're wondering why, why there's no passion in my life. We need one another. We need one another for the good times or we need one another for the bad times. I mean, I'm excited about what's happening here in life groups, small groups. Uh, I'm excited about the next semester. I'm excited. Uh, several reasons. We're using Pastor Ryan's curriculum, extravagant, and the leaders get to go on a retreat with him and he'll be sharing the book and then we're coming back and, and we're going to be presenting that material next semester. But beyond the content, what I'm excited about are the relationships that are forming. Are developing. I mean, there are people asking us, can we stay together in our small groups? Can we extend our time of our small groups? Can we, can we continue? And we're going to encourage people now to stay in groups if they want to. You still have the option to, to move groups around, but or to move from group to group. But one of the things is we are, we are about community. One of the, I read this this week, and, and it says the, 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 the most extreme form of punishment the ultimate punishment, if you are in prison, you know what they do? It's solitary confinement. You know why? Because we were made to be around people. You still with me today? That's how God created us. That's how God made it us. As a pastor, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people transition in their lives. And I've seen a lot of people never lose their passion for God. But I've also seen a lot of people lose their passion for God. And usually there's a pattern. And I'm telling you this so you could identify this pattern in your life. The first thing they do is they stop coming to church. And I'm not saying the routine scheduled services. They remove themselves from small groups. They remove themselves from fellowship with other believers. And then the next thing that happens is they begin to feel like God is distant and God is cold. And one of the things you realize is, you know what? God is not distant. He is actually passionate for a relationship with you. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together and let us encourage one another. The last point I'm going to cover with you today is an unclear purpose. Say purpose. An unclear purpose. When you forget the purpose of your life, when you forget why you were created, you will lose your passion in your life. 
Why get up in the morning? Why the effort? Why get out of bed? Circumstances will surround you and block you from your destiny. Life without purpose is activity without direction. Life without purpose is activity without direction. It's motion without meaning. It's easy to forget why we're here on earth. Because life will hit you hard. And you know it. If you've been around long enough, we'll get distracted with illnesses, with budgets, with bills, with babies, with football, with school, with summer, with, with ACs that don't work. Whenever you forget why God put you here on earth, you're going to drift away. And all kinds of other things will take the place of God. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. Today I'm here to encourage you. And to invite you to continue to nourish your spirit. Today I'm here to encourage you to look at different areas in your life. And see have I been disconnected from true life. Where or when... Did I stop being in awe before God's presence? When and where? How did this happen? How did I get here? And our history is important because our history connects us to our future. If we don't know what happened, we won't know how to fix it. The good thing is if we can't figure out how, how, what had happened, there's one that does. And his name is Jesus. And whether it is lack of purpose, whether it is that you've, you've stopped connecting with other believers... You know what the Lord wants me to remind you today in Exodus thirty four fourteen, You must worship only the Lord, for He is God who is passionate about His relationship with you. God loves you with passion. When He sent His Son, He did something incredible for you and for me. And today is a reminder, passion is not about emotions. Emotions are a part of who we are, and it is phenomenal. I'm an emotional guy. I love it. But, you know... It's beyond, it's a deep conviction. It's, it's that heart issue that regardless of where you are, you are going to find a way because you're connected to God. Because you're connected to the life. Because you're connected to Him, circumstances will come, circumstances will go, changes will happen in your life and modifications and adjustment. But you realize it's not about anything I could do, it's about what He could do in me. So the first thing is receive the grace of life. He is life. He is life. You may not know where to start. You may have an idea. These areas may have triggered areas, maybe, maybe sin in your life, maybe too much work, maybe not enough work, maybe too much service. I mean, I don't know what your case is. Maybe you're not using your talent and you've just been taking and taking. There's no output in your life. Maybe the cause is because you're, you're in a non-supported lifestyle. Maybe it's unclear purpose. But God is passionate. He has thoughts about you every day. The plan he has for your life is incredible, the plans. But he says, the plans I have for you are incredible. But sometimes we're so consumed by our reality, which is legitimate. I'm not telling you deny it. I'm telling you deal with it from a different perspective. Come at it from a different angle. Because you've tried it that way and there's no life in it. Get off that performance treadmill and say, God, I can't do this, but you can. God, I need you. I need life. I need you. Because when there is life, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do the religion thing anymore. I can't do the relationship thing anymore. I need you. Because you, your thoughts 
are countless. And the thoughts about me are about my plans that you have. I may not understand everything I'm going through, God, but I'm going to trust you. When I don't understand you, I'm going to trust you. I want to invite our prayer partners today to come to the front. And as we connect, I want to invite Pastor Bayer to join me or our musician. And I want you to reflect for a few minutes. I know some of it is a little heavy. And you were probably expecting something a little lighter. Um, But that's what God put in my heart for you today. Because he loves you. My word for you is encouragement. Be encouraged and of good faith. Because he has plans to bless you, to prosper you, and never to harm you. Amen. You still with me? Okay. Father, I thank you for this beautiful audience. I thank you for their hearts. Father, I thank you for the anointing that you have placed upon them. And the calling that you have for their lives. Father, I thank you because today you sent me to remind them that they are valuable to you. That regardless of where they are, there are still unfulfilled promises that they have not seen. But they are to wait on. Because the big work has already been completed in our past. And it's the work of the cross and the resurrection. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your passion for us. And today, Lord, I pray that we learn from you. By connecting with you and through you, what it means to have a life. Father, we bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. C.S. Lewis says, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. There's got to be passion. There's got to be passion. And today I invite you, if you need prayer, if you need Jesus in your life, meet one of these beautiful people at the front, wonderful people. And they're going to join their faith with your faith. And they're going to connect with you. And if you need to pray alone, find a space and pray alone. But take that with you. Let it be a burden that will encourage you to get connected to the vine and receive that power of transformation of his word. We love you. Pastor Brian will be here next Sunday. Thank you for coming today. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless you.